Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Roisin. And welcome to the Fitness Fertility Podcast. This podcast is all about how improving your physical fitness can help support you on your very own fertility journey. I'm a personal trainer who specializes in training women with fertility problems. I myself have PCOS and have had two beautiful boys, and I'm on a mission to help you do the same. Before we get into it, we will be discussing adult themes such as where do babies come from, pregnancy loss and bereavement. We may also be sweary from time to time. We are optimistic, lighthearted girls, but we know this is a really stressful time for some of our listeners. We respect that. On this week's show, Roshin and I are delighted to be joined by Nikki Aiken. Nikki is a Conservative Member of Parliament for the cities of London and Westminster. And since winning her seat in the December 2019 elections, Nikki has held various roles, including member of the Women and Equalities Committee and vice chair of the Conservative Party with responsibility for women. Nikki has pushed for legislation on child safety and recently introduced to Parliament a private member's bill, the Fertility Treatment Employment Rights Bill, which seeks better workplace protection for women going through IVF. Welcome, Nikki. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Why did you want to become an MP in the first place? And why have you chosen to focus on the issues of fertility? Well, I never wanted to become an MP, to be honest. I was a local councillor in Westminster, where I live, and I was very happy, minding my own business. I was leader of the council, which was a huge honour. Then the 2019 general election was coming. It was on the horizon. And, you know, you'll all remember what a nightmare Parliament was. It was doing nothing. It was basically in turmoil because of Brexit. Nobody could agree to get a deal through the Commons. And I was getting really frustrated. When the opportunity came, my uh, predecessor, Mark Field, decided to drop out at the last minute and not stand again. And I was basically told by my association, we want you to stand. I just thought, if I don't, I will probably regret it for the rest of my life. If I was only going to be an MP, I'd only be an MP for where I live, which is in Westminster and the City of London. So I did. And, you know, we won. And the rest is history, basically. And I've been in the Commons nearly three years. It feels like 30. I have to tell you, ladies, (laughs) because, you know, COVID and I'm on my third prime minister and, you know, it's it's been a bit bonkers. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, But I wanted to come into Parliament to show other women, particularly younger women, that they can achieve in public office. And we do need to hear more women's voices in Parliament, but also in local councils. We're 51% mm. of the population and we are certainly not represented um, as much as we should be. So you know, I'm really proud to be now sitting in the Commons. I'm the first, believe this or not, I'm the first woman to hold my constituency in 700 years of it existing. 700 years? I know. The City of London seat was established in 1298. And at one point, the City of London had seven MPs representing it. And that was seven men. And I always say it takes one woman to do the work of seven men. Wow. That's amazing. Congratulations. And then I guess within that, how did you get to focus on fertility? I'd never really thought about it, to be honest. And, uh, you know, I've got friends who've gone through fertility treatment, some successful, some not. And I just came across an email that a constituent wrote to me. And, you know, as MPs, we are written to all the time. Every day we get dozens and dozens of emails. And I got this one email from a woman who lives 
not far from where I live. And I actually bumped into her after she sent me the email. And she said, you really need to look at my email. You really need to consider taking this up as a campaign. So I did. I looked into it. And to be honest, I was quite naive about fertility treatment. I thought that you did get employment rights to take time off work to undergo treatment, to have scans, to have blood tests, to have appointments. And she had written to me to say that there was no such employment rights for anybody undertaking fertility treatment. And in fact, she had had a horrendous experience with her employer who discovered that she was going down the fertility route. And when they found out, they tried to move her from London to Switzerland. Wow. Yeah, they gave her the choice, either your job or, or fertility treatment. And she took them on. She got to the steps of the employment tribunal and they, and they did a deal, but she had an NDA. And it just left a real sour taste in her mouth. And she didn't want other women to go through this. So she came to me and, and this is where we've got to now with the Fertility Employment Rights Private Members Bill that I've tabled in the Commons. That really is one of the difficulties with fertility issues. Oftentimes it's so secretive. Oh, yeah. I've been really shocked, but also humbled by the number of women in particular. But there have been some men, but mostly women who have written to me from across the country saying this happened to me. I was sacked or I was told, you know, it was my job or my fertility treatment. So I just basically got on my hobby horse, to be honest, because I just thought <laughs> this is so unfair. We need more women in work. We need more women to achieve. They are being penalised. And we also need more babies being born. Our, our birth rate is falling. So we need more babies being born. We also know fertility treatment is growing. Infertility rates are increasing. Something's got to give. I want women in particular, but you know, obviously their partners to have the equality that people who can conceive naturally have. I think the word equality there is, is very interesting. You've mentioned the Employment Rights Bill. Yeah, it's a private member's bill, which means I am taking it through the commons. Each MP can choose whatever topic or any issue or any law they want to change or introduce to come into the commons. It's very, very difficult to get private members' bills through the commons um, because it's very long-winded. But I wanted to do this to raise awareness of the issue. Also, try to change people's perception of fertility treatment. I think I came into this thinking wrongly, I know now, that it's it's not about women in their 40s who have spent their 20s and 30s concentrating on their careers and then all of a sudden wake up and think, oh, I want a baby now. You know, the vast majority of people undertaking fertility treatment is under 35. There's a whole range of reasons why they go down that route, whether it's, you know, from cancer treatment, from early menopause, uh, from being infertile, same-sex couples, whatever it is, they don't have any right to take time off work. This is why I'm taking it through. It gets its second reading at the end of November. It's not going to get through this time, but I am raising the awareness. And on top of that, I've now launched the Fertility Workplace Pledge, which is a voluntary scheme persuading employers about the benefits of having an open and transparent policies on fertility treatment, ensuring that there's an open door for people who want to go and talk to a line manager, that there is a fertility ambassador, if you like, who's actually there responsible for ensuring that employers do the right thing, allow people time off, 
allow people to talk about it if they want to. And I launched it this week. I had about 30 MPs from across the parties, Labour, Conservative, uh, Liberal, Democrat and SNP. And I've also had the DUP support it. Everybody's been really up for encouraging employers in their constituencies to support it. We've got NatWest signed up already, the Co-op, Metro Bank, Zurich, UK Hospitality. We've got dozens of companies, loads of law firms have signed up for it as well. And it's just a start. Why do you think it's not going to get through on the second reading? Just the timescales. We only have five hours. All private members' bills are read on a Friday. And it's just a procedure. It's just the timescales that you have available. Uh, and I think I'm number five on the list that day. And we tend to get maybe three, if not four through. But then I'll just retable it. So, you know, it just keeps it going. I've also then in talks with the government about the government considering adopting it. We haven't got an employment bill at the moment, but we may have one coming in the future. And if we do, then I will really lobby to have the government consider taking my bill and putting it into theirs. As someone working in your area, would MPs ever have a conversation about fertility? Really interesting question. I have been blown away by the number of older men who have been very supportive in the Commons with my campaign. You know, I've had people like Paul Howes, who is the Conservative member for Sedgefield, who came and has had his photograph taken. So has Ian Levy up in uh, the North East as well. So these guys are in their 50s. I've had some Mike Penning supporting me. It's, and, you know, dear old Jim Shannon, the DUP uh, MP for Strangford in Northern Ireland, wrote me a lovely note saying, I'm fully supportive of this. This is an excellent campaign and well done. You know, the thing about fertility is it crosses all socioeconomic demographics. It doesn't matter what your background is. If you have a fertility issue, you've got a fertility issue. And I also think having more women in Parliament now, it's this type of issue, though it's not just a woman's issue. Of course it's not. But I think they understand and appreciate that we do need to talk about these issues. We've been talking a lot more about baby loss and about miscarriage. We've been talking an awful lot about menopause and really pushing the boundaries on menopause. So fertility is the next issue that we're raising now. And, you know, I really want to lift the taboo about fertility. I think there's so many misunderstandings about uh, infertility and fertility treatment. A lot of people don't want to talk about it. If they're going through it, they don't want to talk about it, it's private, that's fine. But for those who do want to be supported and do want an arm around them, whether it's their friends or their family or their employer, that should be okay too. One of the things with the Fertility Workplace pledge that Roshi and I were looking at was having an accessible workplace fertility policy to create an open culture free from stigma because there is still so much stigma around fertility. Um, and again, like you said, and Roshin and I have talked on previous shows, you know, Roshin being in the toilets and listening to the kind of women that were slightly older than her at the time. Just for context, I was in the Georgia Hotel. This is where I listened to this story. Yeah, it's not as random as it sounds. Okay. I was at Adigzak. I was at a very nice auction. I had dutifully queued for the toilet, gotten into the stall. And I, I remember the ladies that were all like washing their hands fixing their makeup. These were the women that I really aspired to be. They were the top of their professions, heads of major TV companies, ad agencies. I was 32 at the time. And to a man, they all were talking about IVF, IUI. I remember thinking, I thought I had 10 years. Mm. Myself and my, my husband, 
we made a decision based off the back of that information. Yeah, it's really sad, isn't it? We have to talk about it secretly in toilets. We don't tell the younger generations about this type of issue and, and giving them the information that if you can't get pregnant, perhaps go through IVF in your 30s rather than wait until your 40s. We're talking about toilets. I can't believe how many women have told me that they are injecting themselves with their fertility hormones in an office toilet. Yep. And I just think that is so incredibly outrageous that they feel that they have to do that in secret. I hope this campaign, whether it's the Workplace Pledge or whether it's my private member's bill, just lifting the lid on this and just giving women the confidence to go and talk to a line manager or somebody in work to say, I'm going through this. I do not want to be injecting myself at lunchtime in the loo. We really like the idea of the fertility ambassador, which is what you're talking about, isn't it? So we've got this idea of awareness in the workplace, which is key, establishing the role of the fertility ambassador to open conversations internally and make people aware. I think that's absolutely crucial because depending on where you work, you know, depending on how well you got on with your colleagues, depending if your colleagues are actually your friends, depending where you are kind of in the food chain, if you know what I mean, it's going to make a massive difference. And like you've said, injecting yourself in the toilet, you've got this, that's eating into your lunch hour. What if they want you to have a meeting then? You've also got issues of where do you store the meds? There's just a huge amount around it. You're going to store them next to someone's sandwich. Yeah, exactly. But these are real things that people need to think about. And it causes oh. you a lot of stress and you're under so much stress already. Yeah. You don't want to be figuring out where do I need to store my meds today? It's an extra stress and you're already full. No, exactly. Yeah, we both love the idea of the fertility ambassador. It's really important and there needs to be a safe space. Yeah, that idea came from a brilliant family lawyer called Natalie Sutherland, who works for a big law firm in, in London called Burgess May. And she was going through fertility treatment, realised that she needed support, and she became the, the country's first fertility ambassador. There are these brilliant women who are game changers, who can then work with policymakers like myself, legislators, to hopefully change it for, for the better for everybody else. And I'm very grateful for women that do this because you are putting yourself in quite a vulnerable situation. People don't like talking about periods, let alone fertility. And it is a vulnerable position you're putting yourself in. And I think it takes a certain amount of strength to say, do you know what, we are actually going to talk about this because it's incredibly personal, especially if the fertility issue is with you rather than your partner. It's a really vulnerable thing to do. So I'm very grateful for, for people who are willing to get out there and talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing I learned, well, 6% of the time, it's a male fertility issue. Sure. But it's the woman who has to take on the vast majority of the heavy lifting, if you like, because of our biological sex, put our own careers aside. It's not fair. We've got to have better equality in this country. I'm a teacher as well, and I was in the lunch queue the other day getting my dinner, and the catering manager, he looked at me and he said, I've been trying to place you. And then he said, and eventually I realised when I was driving home last night, he said, and then he kind of whispered, because you know there were students, it's because of your side hustle. <laughs> And then I came back later and we had a little chat. But his wife had found me on Instagram months ago and it was really good. And I felt really pleased that he could open up and, and tell me about it. And we had a little chat and we walked around the school and it was great. But it is men. It's not just women. It's men too. And they don't even speak about it in toilets. The other thing we were discussing that we really liked about creating this safe space, the fertility ambassador to create a safe space, a trusted member of staff. You were saying that we don't have any protections and you're right. We don't have any protections until we become pregnant or we have that embryo transfer and we could potentially be pregnant. But we have had, and Maria's had clients that can get pregnant quite easily, but will miscarry quite regularly. Mm. So you can imagine the idea that you have to go and tell 
an employer that you're pregnant and then they, you're not pregnant and then you're pregnant again and you're not pregnant. Oh. The idea that there has to be someone within the company that is solid and can keep that information. Otherwise, it'll just drive you back into the shadows. And you'll say that you're sick and you've got the flu. We've had people on the show before saying this has really affected their their career. It's really affected their progression because they were seen as an unreliable member of staff. And it's so untrue in a way, because I know that most women, if they are given this time off as paid leave, as soon as they get home, they will open up their laptop Mm -hmm. and they will get back on their computers. Sure. And they will catch up. That's what we do. We don't want to let anybody down. We don't want to be given any special treatment. We want to just be getting on with our lives. And that's my message to employers is that for retention purposes, it's so expensive to recruit new people. It's a bit of a nightmare at the moment trying to find people to fill jobs. We've got a million job vacancies at the moment. So if you support the employees you've got and the minority of those who will be going through fertility treatment, it's not a huge number in reality, but it's an important number. Then if you look after them, they will look after you. And it's cost effective at the end of the day. You know, if you're looking at economics, it's it's cost effective for a business, even a small business. Absolutely. An employer can plan because if you can have an open book discussion with them and say, okay, this is where I am. This is the number of treatments I have to go for. The employer can actually plan a rotor and cover for you. If we kind of shine some light on this, it's actually better for the employer as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, I've heard stories of, of women going off to go um, to get early morning or late after work appointments for fertility treatment. And that's more expensive as well. It's out of hours. There's even further stress. You've had a huge interest in this. Who's signed up to your fertility pledge so far? Well, I've had a few banks. So I've had the NatWest and Metro Bank. I've also had the co-op and UK Hospitality, which is the main trade body for the uh, hospitality industry. I've been really supported by the Chartered Institute for Personal Development, which is like the HR trade association, which is really important to spread the message. People have started then contacting me, like Lidl contacted me at the end of the week to say, oh, can we talk to you about this? So maybe Lidl might get involved. I don't know. Uh, Cadent Gas, which is a very much a male orientated company. Yeah, it is. But they've signed up. And I've got law firms, quite a lot of big law firms in the city, which again is a really, you know, really strong message to women and men that they are welcoming open employers. How do you feel when someone gets in touch with you or when someone says, do you know what? Yeah, I'm in. Well, I have been really blown away by the support that this campaign has had. And I've been really lucky to be supported by the Fertility Network UK, the big NGO in this area, and then also Fertility Matters at Work. So these two organisations have been really supportive and helped me actually write the um, pledge itself. It is really humbling, guys, you know, Mm. because I haven't been on this journey, fertility journey. I was fortunate enough to to be able to get pregnant naturally, but I have got friends Mm. and some of them have never been successful. Some of them were top lawyers and working in financial services and they did it in secret. And I don't want my daughter, my daughter's 18, so she ain't getting pregnant anytime soon. But when she gets pregnant, if she needs to have help, I want her to be able to be able to do it out there, have an employer who's supportive. You know, it, it mm-hmm. won't be a problem. It won't be an issue. You get pregnant either naturally or with a little bit of help. 
that's it. And hopefully in that time, the science will improve as well. So everything, hopefully, over the mm. next 20 years, you know, should just continue to get better and help people that at the minute get diagnosed with unexplained, which just means we don't know. So hopefully things will just get better and better. And if there's more awareness of the type that you're doing, it might even be that more funding gets pumped into it. Because the more awareness, hopefully, the more money gets put into it and the better the science. So it can only be a good thing. Nikki, from a government point of view, can you influence the Minister for Health, for example, to help you bring this in through the NHS or for the teachers mm-hmm. like Maria? Yeah, well, I'm talking to the NHS and the NHS have actually uh, have been looking at bringing in their own policy for their own employees, giving people, um, I think, maybe about four days off, which is a great start. I'm talking to the, the BAYS, the business department, and Kevin Hollingrake, who is the minister now, he actually came to the launch of my uh, Fertility Workplace pledge this week and had his photograph taken, which is kind of unheard of, to be honest. He understands that there should be a voluntary system as well. And I will continue to talk to teachers' unions and employers and employees. It makes sense to encourage employers to do this because it's good employee relations. It's good practice. It makes sense that you want to keep women in the workforce. And the women that are going through fertility tend to be sort of, you know, mid 30s to early 40s were our most experienced. And you don't want to lose that expertise. We got to keep as many women as we can in the workforce and, of course, in politics. Otherwise, issues like this do not get addressed. Exactly. As as I said at the beginning, you know, 51 percent of the population is female and we do need to hear women's voices at all levels of politics. And I would encourage anybody to stand, whether it's local council or become an MP. And if I can do it, believe me, anybody can do it. I think I would not be able to go onto Twitter. I have to cancel all my social media. (laughs) I'm a menopausal woman, so I take no nonsense, just block them. And then they write to me, say, you've blocked me. It's my human right. And I say, well, it's not your human right to slag me off. So, you know, you're not coming on my platform. I'm so glad that you stood up and you went for it because there's already women out there and couples out there that are already going to benefit from your work. And I think it's a really smart strategy, a two-pronged approach. You've got your private members' bills, which is from the top down, but you've also got the pledge from the bottom up. And uh, we will do absolutely everything in our power to make sure that as many of our listeners know about it and are activated by it. What can our listeners do to help you get the message out? Well, they can go to my website and um, it's Nikki, which is N-I-C-K-I-E-A-I-K-E-N dot org dot UK, Nikki Aiken dot org dot UK. The Fertility Workplace Pledge is on there and then they can email it or print it off to their employer. If you've got family or friends going through fertility, get your employer to sign up. I will continue to fight for this law. But in the meantime, why don't we try and get companies, organisations big and small, to do the right thing, sign up to the Fertility Workplace Pledge and support their employees if they're going through what can be quite a traumatic time. And, you know, would you recommend that people write to their MPs? Yes. I mean, if people want to write to their MPs, ask them to contact me so that they can support the Fertility Workplace Pledge and I can, you know, set them all up. I've already written to all of them, but it's always good to get a reminder from a constituent that this is really important to them and tell them to contact me about the campaign and ask them to support me. Nikki, thank you so much for coming on the show. What you're doing is massively, massively important and you have our full support. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Just reflecting on what Nikki was talking to us about, there is just so much to what she's doing. 
the pledge itself and there's the bill itself, but the implications of this work are huge. So keeping women in the workplace, increasing the birth rate, helping couples of all shapes and sizes to have their families. This work is massive and just talking about fertility in the workplace is huge. I think it has far reaching implications. Very inspiring, actually. It really is. And I think the tentacles of the pledge and the private members bill will reach into so many people's lives. Mm -hmm. And I am very, very pleased that she has taken on the mantle for women and for couples going through infertility because we need to talk more about this. Mm. Who will we be speaking to next week? We have another fantastic guest next week. We are welcoming Medea from Physio For Me UK. Medea is a fantastic physiotherapist and she does a huge amount around women's health. So it follows on very, very nicely from this week's episode. She does a lot of prenatal work. She understands fertility very well. She does a lot of postnatal work. Um, so she's going to come on and I cannot wait to talk to her. It's going to be great. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. Remember to subscribe to get a shiny new episode each week and please rate, comment and really importantly share with your friends, especially our trying to conceive sisters. You never know who's struggling and they may need that little bit of extra help. This may come as a surprise, but we are not doctors. We strongly recommend that you consult your doctor before beginning any exercise or nutrition program. Get everything checked out first. Your safety is our priority. This has been a Worth a Listen production. 